So what if instead of focusing on trying to figure out alcohol, you tried to figure out yourself. You learned how to do all of the things that you think alcohol is doing for you, but better. You tapped into really understanding what the messages from your body meant and how to use your emotions to your advantage and how to really expand your desires to get what it is you finally really want and have real, lasting, sustainable pleasure. That is possible for you, and it is all available to you in the self-study course, The Naturally Sober Woman. It is everything that I teach my one-on-one clients, but it is compact for you, lifetime access on demand at a super affordable price available to you right now. You're going to go to my website, marywagstaffcoach.com, right there. It'll say self-study course or follow the link in the show notes right here. Get in there. One short video, just the welcome ceremony. There's a commence, a beautiful commencement ceremony that really anchors you into your intention for wanting to make this change into your life will change your life forever. It'll put you on a trajectory of new possibility because the bigger your desire is, the easier it's going to be to say goodbye to alcohol. So go on over to my website, get inside of the Naturally Sober Woman, and I will see you in there. Welcome, welcome. My name is Mary Wagstaff. I am a holistic alcohol coach who ended a 20-year relationship to alcohol without labels, counting days, or ever making excuses. Now I help women just like you from around the world do the same with my one-on-one private coaching program. In this podcast, we will explore my revolutionary approach to getting alcohol out of your way that breaks all the rules, life-enhancing tools that make not drinking exciting and joyful, and the profound and sacred journey that it is to rediscover who you are on the other side of alcohol. This show is not a substitution for rehabilitation, medical treatment, or advice, so please talk to a medical professional if your alcohol consumption is at risk to your mental or physical health. Now on with the show. Beautiful listeners, it's Mary Wagstaff. Happy Wednesday. I am so glad you're here. I I have just had such a huge shift in my life lately. <laughs> um, it's kind of wild. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes. And I know I say that sometimes and I don't do it. So if you ever go looking for something that I say and it's not there, make sure that you let me know. Um, I've been doing this practice called Eden Energy Medicine. And I've also been studying the art of Reiki. And what this energy medicine practice is, is it a, is it a way to balance our energetic body. We are energy, right? Everything in this on this planet and in this universe is made up of some sort of vibration. Even once our hearts stop beating and our brains stop working, our energy runs in systems. We have meridians in our body. This is based on ancient medicine that is still holding strong to this day. So if you've ever experienced acupuncture or Ayurveda um, and worked with um, Chinese herbs or anything like that, you know, the science of yoga, 
These are systems that work with the internal unseen. And the organs of the body have so many other indicators for our well-being than we really know about. So I talk a lot about thoughts and emotions, which we can handle and control in this moment. But when we have habitual imbalances in the energy body, we can balance it in the moment, but sometimes with a thought and a new emotion, but then that will go back to its habitual imbalance because it's used to running in that way, an energy system of the body. What I have come to know is we only can hold so much energy. And this is usually in the form of emotion, but then also, you know, based on diet, exercise, all sorts of other factors, we are processing energy in different ways, even if it's just digestion for our food that we're taking in, but we're also taking in so much other information and more information than we've ever taken in in our entire lives. And that's why I stay real clear and far, far away from any information (laughs) that I really don't need to interact with because I just don't have the capacity for it. I want to be very streamlined with the way in which I express myself. And if I don't take enough time to decide how I want to respond to things, sometimes I say things quickly in a way that I don't really mean. And when we're taking in so much information, that's why the um, the platforms that are out there have this ability to just speak without thinking, right? And so we really, our intention of how we really want to be in the world, does it come through in the best way, in that way? Because it's, it's just reactive based on emotion. But you do this enough, and then that way of responding becomes our habitual nature. This is happening in the unseen systems of the body also. So then we get full, right, with um, cognitive overload, the things that we're seeing in the world, information that we're taking in and we need to process that's not even really useful for anything, right? Then on top of it, you're drinking And so your body is immediately going into fight or flight mode from the moment that alcohol hits you. It's going into fight or flight and detox and repair mode. You don't know that because the chemical pleasure reward overrides that, even from one drink. So this is what's happening inside. And this can happen with food. It can happen in relationships. It can happen with if you look at a lot of violence, negativity, whatever. So... I have changed my life a lot in the last year and my business really grew a lot this year. I've talked about that. We were also in isolation. All of us were, and I've talked a lot about how my family and I moved also out to the country and the mountains. So there was a lot of changing in my world, a lot, most of it positive, but that I wasn't processing. And I came to a point, and I've probably talked about this on the show in January, where I was just 
like overloaded energetically. And then I was having all these negative thoughts about how can I be experiencing depression, which was really essentially the emotion when I have all of these things, right? This is called compounding judgment, where we start to shame ourselves for a way that we naturally feel. Coaching really was working in the moment, but it wasn't sticking for me. And I do some of these practices with my clients and we go a lot deeper into rewiring not only the thinking in the emotional body, but some of the energetic patterning. So what happens, and I inquired further, I had been doing this practice that felt very nurturing, very self-care, this Eden energy medicine that kind of just came to me right when I needed it. So I inquired further and was like, I need help. And I really decided healing can't happen on its own. There's something happening here that I'm not aware of. I just really want that TLC. I need some extra support because I'm having a lot of trouble taking in more joy and love. I'm having a little bit of trouble even experiencing that with my work, which I you, you all know if you've been here, I love this work. I'm so honored to do it. I love my clients. It's amazing, highest honor that I could ever experience. I have a beautiful life, but I was having a really hard time being in this place of joy And, but because I don't drink, I was also holding space for that. So I did come to a place where I decided, you know what, this is my experience right now. I'm going to welcome it all in just like I would teach my clients and stop judging it and just become aware of it and see what might be underneath it. And I realized, yes, I was having a lot of quarantine fatigue. I have a five-year-old, as you know, so I wasn't, I'm not able to kind of do what I want when I want, right? And because a lot of times he kind of runs the show and we need to work at a different pace than I would normally like to. This is part of being a parent, but it can be exhausting. And then I hadn't seen anyone. I hadn't really interacted with, um, you know, friends or a lot of family this year. So it's been super quiet. A lot of the same energy just recycled Matthew, Emmett, whatever. So I also decided let's say yes to some new things. Let's shake this up a little bit. Let's, you know, put an intention of uh, my thought, my, and my emotion. If you go back and listen to the ETA, was curiosity. The emotion I wanted to create was curiosity. I know that I have resources, right? So I tapped into curious, how can I find the support that I need? So I reached out to a friend, asked to have a play date, found a practitioner that actually is a master healer in this art form, went and saw her made a commitment to myself that this practice, I see it changing something, have done it every single day for about two months and it has changed my life. My, along with thought work, along with really diving into all of my thoughts about, 
you know, my relationships, what I'm making things mean, when emotions carry over, realizing that all of this is happening in my brain, of course, which, which you all know, that our thoughts aren't real. They feel real, but they're not actually facts. We live either in the past, regret, or fear, fret, and of worry for the future, right? And, and this is one of the things that leads us to drinking, My point of telling you this story is that there is so much out in the world that can help you. None of it is a quick fix. You have to commit to changing any habit through repetition and through relearning, even the unseen, which are your thoughts, your habitual thinking And your habitual emotions, especially the really strong ones, the ones that you obsess about a lot, which we all do because we all have human brains, are the ones that are also now creating the desire to drink, which is now its own habit. And that's going to fight tooth and nail to come up with new reasons, especially when you try to like nip those ones in the bud and you're like, oh, I'm not really as stressed out as I, you know, as I used to be or as I thought I was. And you start to diagnose, you know, the worry, the overwhelm, and you realize overwhelm is only created in your thoughts. It's not the circumstances of the world, right? So you just kind of have to break everything down and see what's actually happening. You have to be willing to put the time in and you have to be willing to know that this doesn't change overnight because what is really going to to happen in your life if this doesn't change overnight right i mean i w- i was experiencing emotions but like my house wasn't going to get taken away because of that or you know there could be long term implications of of chronic stress and chronic depression, which I know people struggle with, but it's so much of that shame. And and this is something that we're going to talk about today. And the reason that I really wanted to bring this up was to show you that a lot of times we do go through things and they can be extended and to rush to change them, just like to try to rush to change your relationship to alcohol means you're going to fall short and you're going to keep going back into the same loop. It takes time to unlearn something. It takes time to understand why things are the way they are. It requires sometimes further investigation. Now, on the spot, are there tools that we can use, you know, tapping this emotion, this, um, this energy medicine practice doing thought work, doing an ETA, you can change in a moment to get you from where you are if you have to get through something to get you out into the world. But long-term sustainability means being with yourself and welcoming and honoring everything that's showing up. And then when you can surrender it, then seeing what wants to come through. And what wanted to come through for me was support, was help, was delegation. I needed someone to offer me TLC, this tender care, not in the form of thought work, in the form of touch, softness, energy, attention, compassion. And I went out and I looked for that 
and I received it. So I needed to be open enough to ask for it and to receive it also. We think when we're drinking, why can't I? Right? This is what leads us to deprivation. We have all of these thoughts about other people and their relationship to alcohol. Why does it appear that some people can drink without a problem? And my question to you is, for further investigation, why does this matter? And it matters because you want to have some glimmer of hope, some shining thing to grab onto that someday I just want to be able to have this little glass of wine and be normal like everyone. This is all happening in your head. These are the thoughts, not the reality, that's creating your desire to drink even more so and the feeling of deprivation and the fear of misery when you think about changing your relationship to alcohol. It's also the reason that people compound their judgment on themselves when they start to change their relationship to alcohol or when their depression also, other mental health things. They start to compare and despair, right? Why can't I? What's wrong with me? Why can't I only just have one drink? Why does it always go this way? The reason that it always goes this way is because you have formed your personal self, your history, your background, your cognitive development, your energetic patterning, your habitual thought cycle, the way you process emotion, the way you were parented, all of these things to this point in your personal life has led to the development of your habit with alcohol, not anyone else's. This is a sacred journey, this life. And everything that we do in the world, we do it in our own personal way. Now, the brain does work similar for the majority of people. We have emotions and thoughts that are intertwined and they inspire us to act or inact, right? They, they drive and fuel the way that we move in the world. A lot of times the emotion is the trigger first. And a lot of times you start to think about all of the things in the future that you won't be able to have because you will be deprived from alcohol. The truth is, is that alcohol is habit-forming. It is an addictive drug. It is a chemical that everyone who drinks with frequency and duration will form a habit with. Now, whether or not they're willing to admit to themselves that they have a habit, they think they can take it and leave it, 
is really a moot point when it comes to the results you want in your personal life. The reason that this is so important to us in general is because we want to be part of the tribe. We think if we can't drink, that means death. That means being left behind. But I want to tell you a little secret. Not all adults drink. Drinking is not required in being an adult, in having a fulfilling, fun life. In fact, most of the people that I've been influenced by over the last several years don't drink. They are highly motivated and driven and mindful people who have to know how to work with emotion and mindfulness. They would not get as far as they've gotten in life if it was simply by pure will and grit. They have to be willing to fail. They have to be willing to feel all of the hard feelings and they can't drink it away. But again, it doesn't matter. I did an episode a while back about how much is too much. Too much is when you say so. You might even have a drink and be drinking when you're out and not like it. I know that this is the experience with people. They go out and think it's the socially acceptable thing to do, so they choke it down. Imagine that. And if that's you, that's okay. But right now, what I want to inspire you to do is to give yourself permission to relax without a drink, to get to know yourself without a drink, and to stop comparing yourself to other people's actions when you have no idea what is happening in their life. You might even know someone very close to you who you think can just take it or leave it, but yet they still drink pretty frequently, right? Like they're still drinking multiple times a week, but it looks like on the surface they can take it or leave it because maybe you don't ever see them you know, wasted, or you might see them once in a while just having like a drink. When people drink regularly and habitually, they have a habit of alcohol. As far as I'm concerned, there's two types of people in this world, people who drink and people who don't drink, right? You don't, the whole thing on like the Bumble app or whatever of like social drinking, no. No one puts down there that I'm a daily drinker. I mean, some people do if they're really into it, right? And then there are people who kind of are on the, you know, I do, I'm not going to other anyone, but there are people that have become physically addicted to alcohol. And that's kind of a different case scenario where someone would really need, um, you know, medical intervention if they were to stop drinking and where they at this point are are really needing the alcohol in their system because to not have it could be life-threatening. But that is not you right now. And your all of your thoughts about what not drinking is going to be like is much different than the reality of it unless 
your mindset stays the same. When you ask yourself, why do you want to just be able to have this little glass of wine? What is the answer that you come up with? so that you can fit in, so that you can be normal. It's all wrapped up in your identity. And the way that in which we label ourselves really, really limits us. Sober, alcohol-free, in recovery, teetotaler, partier, drinker, whatever it is, is not who you are. So many people are terrified of having to have a label that they want to be able to prove to themselves that they can just have one drink and leave it. So what? Great. Congratulations. (laughs) That's awesome. If you don't like having a habit that takes energy and time away from you and your thought processing, then alcohol is probably not your thing. My answer to that, I want to have a little glass of wine, is to drink it when you normally wouldn't, say like 8 a.m., right when you first get up, and just see how enjoyable the taste is then. Do it on a time when you are not having any urge, any interest in alcohol whatsoever and see how much you, you really want to enjoy that little glass of wine. There's nothing wrong with having a glass of wine and there's nothing wrong with having five glasses of wine every day. It is your life to live and if you have one, you're amazing. And if you have five, you're amazing. You are worthy of the most amazing life if you never drink again and if you drink every day for the rest of your life. It is all about the results that you want in your life. How is alcohol not only getting in your way, but what's possible for your life If alcohol was irrelevant, if it never took up another thought in your mind, just really stretch your imagination. You weren't deprived from it. It wasn't even that you could take it or leave it. You simply just didn't want it. How would you show up then? Get into that space. The other thing I'll say about why can't I... Going back to, we never know what's happening in someone else's life, even when we sleep in the same bed with them. They have their own mind. And thank goodness. I mean, I can read some people's thoughts a little bit, (laughs) but thank goodness we cannot read people's minds, right? It would be terrifying. It's like Sookie Stackhouse. No, you want to get out of there. You do not know what's happening in someone's inner world. And when you start to examine your relationship to alcohol, you notice it more than you ever have in your entire life. You start to pay attention to 
who's drinking what and when and where and when and how, right? And you start to see not everyone drinks. And then you kind of start to become a little righteous because you're not drinking this one time when you normally maybe would have if you were in different company. Or you notice someone, you know, just turn down a drink and look like it's very easy. But the reality is you have no idea. That person could be on medication. That person could be hungover. That person could be clenching their teeth and fighting tooth and nail to say no to this drink. They could be allergic. They could be pregnant. I mean, we have no clue. They may have never drank a drop of alcohol in their life and have no idea. They've never formed a habit with it. They might have to get on, you know, a call and make a speech. We have no clue because there are reasons why it's easy for you to turn down a drink. One of them might be that it's 8 a.m., right? So we don't know. Everyone has situations that are easier to drink with and not to drink with. I know people that are habitual drinkers, but they absolutely will not drink If there's any chance that they might have to drive, they absolutely will not drink when they play a certain sport or, you know, um, are involved in some, a hobby that's there, say they play music or they professionally dance or whatever it is, or they, you know, they have a class that they go to, but then there's some people that will, they want to take the edge off. There's some people that would never drink before a job interview or at work. And then there's some people that do, that have been drinking at home and quarantine on Zoom. Some people would never do that, even though they have a habit. So when you start to look around and compare your habit of alcohol to other people, you need to remind yourself that you have no idea what is going on inside their brains and what has led to their habit or lack thereof. The only thing that you need to be concerned about is how is alcohol affecting your life and why are you so concerned about how other people will think and what they'll think. That is one of the first roadblocks that if you can really drop that, you will really start to set some things in motion for you. No one would ever shame themselves for drinking more water. I have to drink two gallons of water every single day. And this is how I live my best life. This is how I stay detoxed and vibrant and hydrated. And, you know, my digestion and my skin. I mean, I'm sure someone could probably find a reason to shame you for that if you were on Facebook. But anyway... No, no one would ever be embarrassed to admit that. But yet, the last thing you want to do is say, I, f- I have an inkling, <laughs> this little voice that thinks, you know, I'm getting older. The signs are that there just might be something behind this alcohol thing. So for my health, for my vibrancy, for all the goals and the confidence and really just getting to know myself, I'm going to I'm going to take a break and I'm going to do it for me because it's my turn. And I really really want to take the most out of this life. That's 
how you need to show up. And you don't even need to talk to anyone about it. I just recently started talking to my mother about alcohol, and it's been a couple of years or more. And I didn't need to tell anyone. This was for me, right? So when you start to look at this, why is it so important to you? And it's okay. There's no shame in in really thinking about this, that you have a label of what other people think. And you can just write down some answers and ask yourself if they're true. Just the thoughts in your brain are creating all this fear and shame and stigma and isolation right now. And it's one of the things that's holding you back from seeing a bigger picture. It's keeping you isolated and in tunnel vision about what's possible on the other side of alcohol. And it's also keeping you from other things in your life. If you're worried about this, you're probably also having these same implications in other areas of your life. I did this thing. What will they think? What will this mean about me? And this kind of thinking is really, really, really limiting. The scariest part for most people about changing their relationship to alcohol, the boredom and the loneliness, which I've talked about on the show, is getting to know yourself. Your entire life, you've been striving for labels. Grades, letters, achievements, status. What about just being you? You have to take time to get to know yourself during this process. And you have to ask yourself, and this would be great, when you are writing down all of the reasons why you need a label, why you really want to be able to prove to yourself that you could just have this just one drink, Also ask yourself, what is that one little drink? (laughs) It's just like I hear this all the time. Just that one little drink every once in a while. What is that doing for your life? Is it just the benefit that you can prove something to yourself? Or is it really adding something to your life? Because I'll tell you that... I literally have gained so much without alcohol in my life. I mean, I miss nothing. There's not one thing about it that I miss in any way, shape, or form. Any way I feel deprived or lost, I have gained and flourished and have so much more because it's not part of my life. And again, this isn't to shame it or say that it's bad. It's just to say that there was never anything there, ever. And I can really say that. Now, I'm not saying the times I had were bad or I don't you know, appreciate them. But the alcohol part of it gave me nothing. The actually, the actual drinking part, one drink or five, nothing. I have nothing to show for those times. The experience didn't change. The people, the place. In fact, the alcohol took away from the experience from all of them. I was less present. It took away time from my future. 
So I just want you to know that all of your thoughts about how miserable your life will be without alcohol are not true. All of your thoughts are fear-based right now, and they are creating emotions that are uncomfortable, and they are probably perpetuating the drinking, right? So you just have to start to notice there is no right way to drink. And I would gather that if there's someone that drinks like a little champagne on a, on a wedding, like, so what? Like they probably like have a sip and then put it down. They're probably not that into it. You know, you are. And so you just need to like own up to that. And alcohol will always be habit forming with frequency and duration. It will always be a drug and a chemical that creates a concentrated pleasure response in your brain and in your body. And it will always dissociate your emotions and the sensations from the present moment. You never get closer to the present moment by drinking. You never get closer to yourself by drinking. So the way to the other side is in the in-between. It's in the in-between from daily drinking or whatever you're doing and the habit. It's not a 30-day break, which you might you know, find information in a 30-day break, but you're not just gritting your teeth waiting for that time to be over. You're really being with it. You're honoring it. You're excited about it. What's possible during this time? But I will tell you, the reason that the 30-day breaks you know, are not the thing is because you can see a little glimpse of some of the, you know, the, the positive benefits in 30 days, but you're also like kind of in the honeymoon phase in 30 days. You're like, this is great. I feel amazing. And then at the end of it, you're like, yeah, I'm going to have a little drink. And then you just go right back to where you were and you don't, give yourself a chance to really go through some of the the real stuff of about life to really learn how to process emotion in real time to move through depression to move through anxiety fear guilt all the things in real time and really build resilience to sit with your emotions of heartache but the longer you drink You'll know what heartache feels like again and again and again. Because you're going to wake up and you're going to have told yourself, I said I wasn't going to do this, but I did it anyway. And in that moment, just know that you have a habit and the habit is kind of its own little thing right now. It's a little bit of a mogwai waiting, (laughs) just waiting for midnight to strike. So it's going to come up with all of these reasons why it's a good idea. And you just have to know that it's just a habit and it's not who you are. So you need to stay in your executive power. You need to drop out of story, the story about who you are, who you aren't, right? Like all of the ways you're comparing yourself and you need to drop into sensation, leave the story, drop into sensation and remind yourself You have a home and there's a grocery store that if you stop drinking, the tribe is not going to leave you 
for dead. In fact, you might even just give someone else permission to do the same. I think you're amazing. Check out Eden Energy Medicine and I'll talk to you next week. Hey, if you are loving this podcast, you are definitely ready for the next step. I would love to invite you to learn my three shifts process to interrupt any craving and get you started on your journey to finding freedom from alcohol. All you need to do is click the link in the show notes or on my website, marywagstaffcoach.com to schedule a private call with me. You will leave the call with the tools for success and feeling confident and excited about entering into your new phase of life. And it's completely free to you. I look forward to connecting.